Welcome to Network Capital TV, Rohit. I'm Utkarsh, the founder and CEO, and I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you. Today, we're going to dive deep into your career trajectory so far and learn more about how uh, you're building Decentral and in the process, of course, why Combinator and some other things will come up. But really excited to host you. Let's kick things off with a short introduction of who you are and what you, how, mm -hmm. what you do today. Sure, sure. Thanks, Atush. Thanks for having me here. And uh, yeah, good to be on the show. Um, so yeah, essentially, you know, uh, my brief background, uh, I've pretty much been a product guy all my life uh, you know, and love tinkering with products, um, both hardware as well as software. Uh, this is my second fintech venture, which you know uh, we're learning right now, started in March 2020. Um, and before that, uh, after graduation, I was working in Sony in Japan for two years. Uh, and then came back to India to start another venture called MyFoolin, which was also in the fintech domain. Uh, that was the first stint I had with entrepreneurship, you know, and how the whole world really works. Um, that company got acquired in 2017. And yeah, you know, uh, here I am running the second uh, second time around, you know, a little bit wiser, a little bit older. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, tell us why you decided to become an entrepreneur um, mm -hmm. after two wonderful years in Sony in Japan. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. You were on a clear path. Sony in Japan is a wonderful opportunity. Mm -hmm. Why become an entrepreneur at all? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot to do. Uh, I think, of course, definitely very subjective as well, you know, as you know, um, the way a person thinks about um, what they want to do with their life, right? Uh, professionally. Um, and by default, like, uh, the work really fills a long part, like, predominantly a major part of your life so it's very important that you nail that right um you know um that's something which i realized very early on i would say it was i would say lucky to realize that very early on like before it got too late um but having said that it, it it's not that the sony experience was like you know bad or like the corporate experience is bad for me uh i enjoyed that as well um but i think in the first year the major thing that ticked me off was like the lack of impact because Sony is like a massive organization, um, probably around like you know ten thousand plus people were working alone in that area in a couple of buildings where I was there. Um, that was one, and then second was uh, the problems which I felt were most impactful in the world. Uh, you know, I'm happy to discuss that in detail. Uh, were not really being solved by these big companies like Sony, right? But yes, having said that, for sure, a great place to work. You know, for a lot of people, didn't really suit you know uh, what I wanted to do in life. Like, and of course, was not really leading to a massive impact um, on the problems uh, which I wanted to solve personally. So yeah, that is you know, how I said, you know, need to really get started on my own. You know, Rohit, one of the cohort-based fellowships that we run on Network Capital is called, mm -hmm. I don't know what I want to do with my life. <laughs> and it's right, a hard yeah. question, right? One doesn't really yeah. figure out, but one has mm -hmm. to keep sort of asking oneself, doing micro experiments. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we always ask uh, our faculty mm -hmm. to dive deep into that subject. So mm -hmm. you decide that you're not having as much of an impact as you like, even though the mm -hmm. job is good. What did you do next? How did you stumble on the next idea? Why mm -hmm. FinTech? Walk us through what is going sure. on in your mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, great. So rewind back to, you know, 2012 when I graduated from IA Delhi. And uh, I'll also cover a bit on that because that is what really led me to, you know, 
uh, build up on the long term thing. Um, and of course, it's only in retrospect. Like at that time, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know? Um, like as Steve Jobs says, right? you can only connect the dots backward, which is actually very true. Um, so yeah, so you know, in the final year student uh, and in the pre-final year as well, 2011, um, like a typical you know college grad uh, of IIT, I was like fairly uh, uh, open with options. So I had like, okay, I could go to masters, you know, go to a US university, uh, get my GRE, uh, or you know, go for an MBA, give GMAT or CAT, um, or of course work in corporate for some time. And then there was a faint idea that okay, some something I could do on my own. Right? Uh, and that faint idea was coming in primarily, of course, one, because of those challenges which I wanted to solve. And second, which was a major factor at that time, was this whole, um, uh, you know, I would say, like good noise that the startup ecosystem in India was creating you know, uh, with Flipkart really becoming an amazing success, which was one of the few well-known startups at that point in time. And they were, uh, those guys, the Bunsen guys were also you know, from my own college, in fact, my, from my own hostel as well. So there was a certain good affiliation, you know, that was sorting out. So these were like, I would say four or five options that I was evaluating. Uh, that okay, uh, these, are, these are out there in front of me. I could take either of them, and I did not know what to do. Right? I mean, like, there was no definite interest. Okay, this is exactly what I like. You know, this is exactly what I don't like. But um, so I tried all of them, <laughs> interestingly, and not a lot of people know that. Um, I gave GRE, and got to a couple of universities, uh, Georgia Tech, a couple of others as well. You know, in UK, US, uh, got the admission letter. CAT, I realized very soon, that at least at that point of time, didn't really make sense for me because like M an MBA, in my point of view, was essentially helping you understand business, but you know, nothing helps you understand better than running business alone. Um, so I gave up on that option, you know, after some amount of talking with seniors and everything. So, um, and yeah, I have fundamentally um, believed on that path uh, ever since. So I, like at, in our company, we... Uh, in fact, uh, try not to hire MBAs as much as possible, especially those people who have immediately done MBAs after graduation. But uh, nonetheless, so yeah, that was something which was, you know, um, uh, ruled out after some time. Um, right. And then, uh, you know, the corporate placement was starting. So I said, okay, let me also give, uh, you know, a short of job interviews and see where it lands me. Um, but one thing was certain, which I had clear that, okay, I want to be in the product side. Uh, that is the product design, product development, which is extremely core to me, very strong, uh, you know, uh, it's a very strong place in my heart. Um, uh, luckily, uh, I had an internship, you know, uh, in Sony in 2011. So these, those guys gave me a pre-placement offer at the last minute, just before the job interviews. Uh, and yes, I had really enjoyed the work there. Uh, and Japan was definitely an amazing country. So I took that offer uh, and then uh, said no to the universities. Uh, that, you know, I want to see how, what it's, in what it's like in the real world to apply that power design knowledge rather than just do research. So that was the distinction I made, uh, for personal choice I made at that point in time. Um, and yeah, that's that is how you know this first uh, uh, two years happened uh, of my professional life. But yes, coming back to that faint, you know, uh, fourth option that got stronger right. by the time right, I started. But this is I just want to pause mm -hmm. for a second yep. and just uh, make our listeners pay attention to the fact that you don't discover your next steps by just thinking about it. You need to conduct low-risk experiments, try out a few things, you know, conduct elimination at various levels. And uh, everyone at some point doesn't know what uh, the person wants to do with their life. You sort of figure it out. And I think, Rohit, your story also makes it clear 
as, do, as does the story of many of our other faculty that we host. Uh, but thanks so much for laying it out with such clarity. Oh, yes. So um, yes, tell us more. So how did mm -hmm. the idea yep. happen and why that? Right, right. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, after deciding that, okay, I need to spend at least a couple of years in the real world and try my hands at product design and product development, which I was really passionate about. Um, and had, I definitely enjoyed the internship as well. So, um, so yeah, went, went there in Japan, uh, to Japan, uh, lived there for two years, which was a whole different experience in itself. Uh, learned Japanese language as well, which really helped me a lot, you know, over the long term. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so that pain noise really kept coming back, you know, that, okay, there are certain challenges which are lying out there in the open and nobody has solved them yet. So I kept a track on what was happening in the Indian ecosystem and used to follow um, your story religiously, you know, <laughs> like the first uh, article that they sent out in the 8 a.m., 9 a.m., I think now they've changed it and all. But yes, uh, it used to be like, you know, one article a day or things like that. It used to come in. So I used to follow that religiously uh, and try to keep a track on what's happening. Is somebody really solving these challenges or not? And of course, was progressing, uh, uh, you know, on my hardware knowledge uh, and the whole corporate work kind of an environment, kind of a knowledge, what, how do you deal with so many people? How do you deal with so many departments, you know, in Sony itself? And then slowly as that whole thing started dawning on me that, you know, it's essentially, uh, I'm a small, you know, bee in a big pond, right? Um, and at the same time, things are becoming clear that, okay, FinTech is booming in, but nobody has solved that challenge, which I was referring to. And the challenge actually came in again, back in my college, which was, uh, how do you really share money amongst friends? It was a very simple thing, right? Um, right, and every college big challenge, right? Is, when you go out, for dinner, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, right. So it seems uh, extremely, you know, simple. It's a kind of a thing to do, uh, but yes, I mean, back in the day, I guess we recall the 2012, 2013 times, right? Nothing like UPI existed. So uh, yeah, there was no way to share money with a friend except to maybe a bank transfer, which is equally cumbersome, right? You have to type whole long account number and everything or do cash, right? Or Paytm, which is also not really the best way because you know, it's a wallet at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, so, we, so I thought that something like UPI, which of course there was no term UPI, but yeah, something like a bank-to-bank -bank transfer should exist uh, you know, in 2014 when I left Sony. And that was, just, I would say, the sole thing in my mind that, okay, we have to make sharing money between friends, colleagues, extremely simple. And I had seen some examples of this happen in the US and you know, a couple of other countries. So. Uh, Definitely, it was feasible, um, but yes, I didn't know how hard it would be, you know, until I really started. Um, and yeah, that's how the whole fintech, you know, uh, equation started. And I jumped right into it. Very risky move at that point of time. Uh, you know, didn't really have like you know uh, much knowledge of that industry, but yeah, that that's how really you, you have to start. You have to take the shot. You know, in uh, in India, South Asia, largely, you also mm -hmm. need to take care of. Um, you know, think about the family, the larger ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So when you were yes. quitting, uh, how was the conversation with uh, family and folks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, interestingly, uh, I think um, dad was for sure against it. Uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I think for a couple of years, he kept doubting it to that. Okay, you know, did you really do the right thing? And I was like, yeah, you could probably go back. You can still get the job. I said, that, that's one of the, that was the thing which I told him, by the way, you know, which was my... Uh, like a sort of a reply to him that okay you know given that um, I know my power and I know uh, my knowledge and talent and also you know definitely the reputation of the college itself is pretty good so I don't doubt that I you know uh, uh, I can obviously get placed again if I want to 
but I don't want to. That was the key thing which I, you know, helped him understand. Um, it took a while, uh, but he came around. Mom was supportive, and she has always been very supportive. And she still you know, believes in anything I do, uh, you know, so she trusts me on that. Uh, and yeah, so that's how the dynamic played out, and eventually, you know, her family was really supportive. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, early days, you're building out this company. When did you start achieving scale? And when did you feel that you've achieved some sort of a product market fit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took quite a while. Um, so in 2014, when I came back, um, we actually didn't go B2C first. We went uh, B2B2C first. And uh, the thesis behind that was, uh, I mean, acquiring a customer on a new payments app would be tough uh, until we build some sort of trust um, or we do a waitlist kind of a thing, which is of course a whole new concept at that point of time. Now it's fairly common. Um, so we started with a different approach where we built a plugin uh, that enabled you to collect money for a common purpose, like say uh, a group party, a vacation, you know, a group gift for somebody's marriage or whatever. Um, so essentially targeted those big groups, you know, which collect money once in a month or so, right? Um, and then build this white label plugin and sold it to e-commerce websites, like the you know, common suspects, uh, Jabong, Mintra, Amazon, Make My Trip, a couple of them. It's actually still live on one of them, by the way, <laughs> so, still since the last six years. Um, so that was the first thing to do. And, um, but then, as you can imagine, the sales cycle to these massive companies takes a long time. Uh, and the revenue in this case is extremely low because it's a, uh, very rare activity, you know, for a large group to come together. Um, so we realized that, I mean, ultimately a group payment is nothing but end times peer-to-peer, right? So it's like end time people paying or sharing money to a common source. So then we got into the next level, which is a very high engagement uh, P2P you know, uh, evolution. Um, this happened in 2015. Right? And that is when we launched the B2C app. That is when actually the name my came into play, where people could pool money together for a purpose or they could just share money. Uh, with friends in a peer-to-peer fashion. Um, and then the third uh, evolution, or the third pivot, so to say, happened when they realized, okay, P2P itself will not cut it. We have to make it interesting and attractive. So we added a social angle on top of it that uh, you know you could also tag your friends uh, when you pay them. So for example, if I pay you uh, for a Starbucks coffee, you know, I could tag Varya and say, okay, hey, you know, uh, both of us went out and we missed you. You know, you were not there. So kind of like a Facebook kind of a social effect that came into play and that ticked off right. really well. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. So uh, by this time, you're achieving scale, you're growing, and you've mm-hmm. also figured out a sort of a revenue stream. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just let's fast forward to the time when you started thinking about the next phase. So mm-hmm. grow more, um, you know, accept an acquisition offer or take another mm-hmm. step. What was on your mind and how did you decide and what was the next step? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so after those uh, couple of iterations, you know, and when you finally landed on this social payments concept, um, the growth was good. Uh, it's pretty good from a B2C app point of view. However, um, revenue was still a challenge uh, because, you know, customers don't really pay for you know, peer-to-peer payments, so to say. They don't really have that notion in their mind uh, to pay for that in India. Um, so we added a couple of revenue streams from the merchant side, but they were not really enough to you know, sustain us at that point. Fine. So we had two days capital, of course. We raised a couple of rounds and really had the fortune of working with some of the, like, the best angel investors in the country, which really shaped me as well you know, as an entrepreneur. Um, 
And uh, so after raising two rounds in 2017, uh, we sort of hit a wall where the cash was running out of the company. And it was like uh, literally uh, getting to zero runway, you know, as we uh, neared the end of that year. Um, and of course, we didn't have those metrics to convince venture capitalists for the Series A at that point of time. Um, and also there was an imminent uh, threat which came in, uh, which was uh, like sort of like a last minute boomer where WhatsApp announced that, okay, they're going to get into, you know, payments, uh, which scared everybody off, you know, uh, on the investment front. So, um, yeah, so combining all these factors that is when, you know, uh, we started looking for the acquisitions out uh, because capital was not coming in easily. Uh, but the good thing with that WhatsApp announcement was, uh, which happened in India, is that a lot of big companies start paying attention to UPI and peer-to-peer payments. Like, you know, Paytm was obviously there, but Amazon launched Amazon Pay later on. Uh, PhonePay, of course. Google launched Google Pay later on. So that began, began to happen. And uh, again, a lot of people not don't know that, but we got acquisition offer from many of these companies, which I just named, uh, you know, a minute before. Um, and then there was one acquisition offer which came in from uh, payments authentication company called Vibmo, uh, predominantly based on the US, but they have the 90% of the market in India. Uh, this happened in late 2017, uh, which is when we you know, uh, seeded it and uh, moved the whole thing to Bangalore. Awesome. And, uh, you know, by that time, once you get acquired, I would imagine like, uh, you know, it would have been a good feeling, end of one era, beginning of a new one. Perhaps um, you made some money. So, you know, like perhaps family mm-hmm. was also happy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that's an important phase in a startup's life. Uh, what was on your mind then? And uh, it was was it then that you started thinking of Decentro? How did that mm-hmm. idea from one to the next move walk us through your sure. mindset? Sure. Um... Yeah, I didn't think immediately at that point. And yes, it definitely was a great milestone. I mean, especially for, uh, you know, the team. And this is something which I'm really proud of. Uh, you know, like more than my win, it was, I would say, a win for the team and also for the customers. Um, like we had uh, uh, 10 people at the time uh, in, the, in, you know, in the last year, 2017. Um, and nobody left, you know, so... That is an amazing thing. Like, you know, like generally, I have seen, you know, uh, people run away uh, from companies when they are facing hard times or they, you know, are running out of capital. But yeah, like, that is an amazing thing to happen. Um, I'm really proud of, you know, uh, having built such a team together. And in fact, uh, really lucky to have some of them continue along with me in the second venture as well, uh, two years later. So um, that was like, I would say the best thing, best feeling to happen, of course, more than the, you know, the cash and everything, which is obviously good to have. Uh, and then the second best was the you know uh, the feeling of giving at least something back to the investors, you know, which really put their faith uh, in me. Uh, although we didn't do as well as I would have hoped it, but hoped to. But yes, uh, something is better than nothing at that point in time. Um, and uh, yeah, when, when that acquisition happened, my immediate thought process was okay. That uh, I mean, I didn't really have a problem at that point, you know, point of time to attack. And this is something which I typically follow is that I don't really jump into ventures, which I don't understand in the sense that I don't attack problems, which don't really affect me. Uh, I only look for those which are very close to me and I have faced them personally. Um, I had one in my mind at that point, but didn't really have a strong conviction. Um, so yeah, so I stayed on with Mo, which is the payment company uh, for around two years. And those guys were looking at to consolidate, uh, you know, and make that acquisition really a success for the long term. 
So that was a critical phase as well, where the team needed to be gelled in, the product needed to be gelled in with a large organization. Those guys were like 500 people, you know, strong, and we were like just 10, a small company. Uh, so it was a very different culture as well. Um, and then I helped them lay the roadmap for how do you integrate these UPI and peer-to-peer payments, which we brought to the table with their payments technology, which they already had for the last 20 years or so. Um, and this happened in 2019. And in 2019, those guys got acquired by PayU, uh, which is another interesting outcome that happened. And uh, I, again, I was, I would say, you know, in a good place at the right time um, because I got the chance to see a much bigger MA happen of a company that scale, uh, which has been in the industry for 20 years. And another great thing was, of course, we got early liquidity. Uh, so the stocks also got cashed out. Uh, so again, that was a great win overall for the team and the investors. Um, and that is when I started to form the second, you know, uh, ventures concrete idea because the challenge which I had faced in my pool, which was the underlying banking integrations, was also common to the acquiring company, which is Pay. Um, and yes, when I saw that scale of challenge happening, not just in early stage ventures, but also in this massive, you know, 500, 600 people strong company, is when I really realized, okay, this is you know, a huge opportunity in itself. Yeah. It's really important. Uh, we feel that uh, founders are in love with the problem uh, even more mm-hmm. than the solution because the solution sort of changes. And I love yep. the fact that you said that, you know, there must be strong personal affinity it really helps in many cases. So um, what was the central thesis or the problem that he was trying to solve with uh, Decentral Tech, uh, mm-hmm. your next adventure? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Mm, yeah, so uh, you know, uh, again, back in 2015, the usual startup struggles aside, um, one of the key challenges that we faced was, how do you really work with banks uh, in a very seamless manner when it comes to technology? Right. So we had to integrate uh, INPS India, which is money transfer between two banks in India um, with one of the leading banks, Yes Bank at that point of time. And it took us almost uh, five months, you know, more than five months to go into production for that particular integration. Um, and uh, initially I thought maybe, okay, this is the usual time frame, you know, maybe things will change over time. But of course, you know, as I started observing the FinTech and banking landscape, I realized one, it is common, like everybody spends this amount of time. Second, it is actually not a com- like not a normal time frame. It is an abnormally high time frame because you're spending half of your year in a small company building infrastructure, you know, which like, can be solved by somebody else. Um, and this was like you know, from a product mindset that I was thinking. And then in 2020, which is five years later, when I noticed your pay uh, after the acquisition, that they were also spending a similar amount of time with a different bank and a similar integration. Um, that is when it finally, you know, uh, like I would say, that inflection point happened. Um, that okay, you know, five years have gone by and nothing has changed. Nobody has solved it yet. So somebody has to do it. Otherwise, all the fintechs and the non-fintechs as well will really keep facing these repetitive, uh, long integration cycles. And of course, they will spend a lot of time and money, uh, you know, in these integrations, which can be provided like ready-made from day one. You know? Um, and that's how that whole thesis came into play. So essentially at Decentro, what we are doing is we are kind of like AWS for FinTech, right? And um, of course the developers know it very well, but uh, just to probably break down AWS, uh, AWS essentially helps you build, uh, you know, services, solutions, software on top of plug and play infrastructure. 
like you don't need to worry about hosting you don't need to worry about storage you know those kind of things which typically happen in the old world um so yeah i think if you compare if you take that to the banking world or the fintech world uh, you realize there's a similar plug and play modules that can be provided uh, to the company both fintech as well as non fintech like traditional you know, enterprises and marketplaces to just integrate in a few days and go live so that's essentially what we're doing in a way in a short you know answer so to say got it so um what was the process of building out the product um mm-hmm. what was the first steps you obviously had a reputation by then uh, some team members had stuck along how did you go about building the team who thought of the v1 of the product right 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 yeah the product uh, came out actually from my own uh, you know thinking um in terms of like how it should look like at least in the first few uh, you know critical phases um and we still of course a fairly young company you know we are less than one year old right now um but yes really fortunate to have you know, some of the uh, developers and designers that work with me uh, continue along you know and shape that um development cycle as well you know along the way um and from yeah from a product uh, point of view i really started uh, when we were drawing board try to understand from my own experience that okay at my pool in what was the critical module that we would have liked you know if it was ready made available in the market or somebody else did it for us right? and then of course i took it extrapolated to a larger scale that okay companies like webmo and pinglu which has been the famous domain for almost you know decade and more uh, what would they like uh, to be sold and that is how i really prioritized or map okay what is it important for smaller companies what's important for bigger companies and that's how the product took shape wonderful so who are your most important customers um so right now we have um uh, quite a few categories actually so uh, i would say the early categories of customers uh, that are that find the product really valuable are b2b marketplaces uh, you know so people who deal between uh, retailers suppliers or retailers wholesalers um then you have uh, e-commerce companies uh, you have of course fintechs for sure so we have a couple of new banks as a customers uh, which is fairly new you know trend in india um yeah so these are like three four major categories you know, of customers for us yeah at this point so you're a young company for a young company to be um funded by y combinator is a is a very prestigious thing at what stage did you feel the need to apply for y combinator what was the thinking like mm-hmm. yeah um yeah interestingly i applied even before forming the company um and uh, that was actually a great thing because we got it at the right time you know uh, and the right stage otherwise of course we would have raised capital much later you know um, rather than raising it earlier um so one thing which which was clear to me when i started was and this was a culmination of uh, the years of learning which happened in the previous venture um was that in order to build a high quality b2b infrastructure for which is what we are banking for so building uh, in the banking domain is something which will of course take over take a while but the foundation has to be extremely strong right um, because in b2c you can do rapid pivots uh, and probably still survive because you just need like one thing to take off and you know become like the next facebook or something in b2b it's a whole different it's like a game of reliability right it's like building blocks <laughs> so your foundation needs to be strong otherwise the customers will not be able to build on top of it um and hence that is when i realized okay, that having that early good investor or at least that early good capital is extremely important so i applied in february 
spent of course a few weeks you know uh, a couple of weeks at least you know on the application itself um and before we incorporated the company and then finally got into the summer batch of my combinator 2020 yeah let's uh, let's discuss that because uh, many of our community members uh, are interested in uh, figuring out why combinator and the likes mm-hmm. so you spent two weeks by then um you didn't have uh, the company register or much of it going so mm-hmm. how did you apply because the application is fairly comprehensive there are questions mm-hmm. on who's your most important customer where will you be in five years seven years mm-hmm. how did you figure that out and what advice do you have for people filling out that mm-hmm. application sure sure um yeah i think um so i'll actually uh, you know um tag this back to the, uh, the point that you made earlier you know that it's important to run experiments and I, this is something again, which I keep doing both in the personal life and in the professional life as well, uh, to the extent possible. Um, try to run small experiments in different domains and try to see, okay, that where do I see the maximum growth, uh, you know, uh, be it for a company or for myself as well, um, which is what I was doing at that time as well before even incorporating the company. Um, so um, those experiments really helped, uh, I would say, you know, shape the direction okay that this this product so for example um, if you take um, let's say you know payments right now within payments you have imps and upi payments different different payment methods so what i did was uh, from my own with and pay learnings i identified okay these would be potential customers that would like to try say automated upi payments uh, you know as an infrastructure for their own uh, use cases um and this 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 thing could be tried directly with them because they were already customers of the company, right? At that point, right? like the older company paying. Um, so I essentially was able to experiment within the company on a future idea which I wanted to try out, right? Um, this this thing carried over into the initial beta, you know, when I started building it after leaving the company in February. Um, when I submitted the application. So those experiment, the ideas and the results of that experiment really helped strengthen the, way the application itself. And of course, a lot of it came from my own uh, you know, uh, recognition and you know, image uh, of having been in the FinTech space. So that network really helped out. Uh, my own profile really helped out. So there were first that came together you know, at the right time. Uh, and then the most important aspect, which you know, at the end of the day, because my community is also an investor, uh, you know, even though, of course, they are uh, they're more, definitely an accelerator, but the primary uh, thing that they're putting in is you is capital, right? Uh, along with other things. So it's important to recognize that, yes, you have to think from the investor's point of view. He's, the, he's looking at uh, the size of the market as well, and is there a major opportunity? And that was a great thing, you know, which happened uh, in India, you know, in 2020, where uh, the whole banking as a service space has been relatively unexploded now. So there are only a handful of players. Um, so that thing was like, I would say the fourth or the fifth, you know, uh, point that really came together in the application. Yeah. So when you applied, uh, you obviously had great insights. Uh, you perhaps had a flavor of, uh, the problem that you wanted to solve. Was any part of the product ready? Uh, did you have a team in place? Because we hear that the team is also really important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not at the time of application. Um, the product was more of a sketch and of course those experiments, which I had done. Um, so yeah, kind of like a, you know, uh, pilot stage, so to say, without, uh, the actual architecture in place, the whole product development architecture and all happened later on you know, after, of course, I obviously left because I could not uh, do that at the same time. 
Um, so uh, yeah, that was from a product itself and the team, uh, I was the only one. Um, uh, there was no other team member at that point of time. But yes, I had identified a few people who will be, you know, uh, who would have joined me in March later on. Um, and that thing was mentioned as well in the application. Yeah. And I think, uh, Rohit, uh, you also uh, enable our listeners to understand that it's possible to get funded by Y Combinator, even if you are a solo founder with an idea, if you have strong customer insights, a good flavor of the market, good brand capital, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So um, you get in. Did they grill you in the interview? Because these are questions I'm sure this came up. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, and... Um, uh, yeah, I've heard like, you know, varied stories. Uh, I've heard people, of course, say that, you know, the Y Combinator was very hard and they just keep interrupting you and, you know, it's like they just ask you a bunch of questions and like, you know, it's like a dark throwing competition, but it didn't really happen so much in my case. Uh, maybe it was different. Uh, maybe it was, I felt it easier because of my experience. Hard to point point on that, but yes, it was not that difficult, I would say. Uh, but yes, there were for sure a lot of questions that were you know, uh, asked. Uh, in that short time interval of 10 minutes, yeah. So yeah, you only have 10 minutes. What advice do you have for people who are in the interview stage? Uh, how mm -hmm. should one prepare for it? Hmm. Um, hmm. So uh, for sure, I mean, like, so some of the things go without saying, right? And, uh, and I think this is, uh, even though it is something which is very uh, clear and important, but yeah, people miss out on that is, be radically honest, right? Uh, I mean, those guys are like some of the smartest investors that I've seen till now. Um, you know, the partners of Y Combinator who are taking the interview. So they've seen it all, right? <laughs> so they, they have seen successes, they've seen failures, they've seen uh, average companies, you know, like the whole lot across spectrum, across the geographies, everywhere. So don't try to fool them, you know, don't, don't try to play around. Uh, be very honest, right? If you don't know an answer, just we can point and say, you know, no problem. You know, I don't know this, but I'll get back to you. That is definitely something that works in your favor. Um, and uh, most importantly, the thing that they're looking at in the interview is um, not really your knowledge, right, per se. It's most mostly your confidence, right? And this is something which is, again, highly underappreciated. The confidence, your focus, and your passion that you have for doing something is the thing that really carries you through. Right? I mean, startups are a hard journey. Everybody knows that. Um, but not many people know okay, that what it takes to get through that. Right? So for sure, everything else comes handy. But if you don't have these three things, like right, your focus, your passion, uh, and really on the perseverance right, to take it through, uh, <laughs> nothing like that. So be really focused be uh, in all the questions that you're answering to them. Um, you should know, like they should feel that, yes, you know, the space inside out to the extent possible. And then of course, what you don't know, that's totally fine. Tell them you don't know. So this this is, I would say, the second major thing, you know, that really helps in that interview. Yeah. Awesome. So you you get in. How did you find out that you made it and uh, how did you celebrate? Did you go party? <laughs> uh, did you stay straight away get back to work? What was on your mind? How did you learn? Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> interestingly, I incorporated with a company in March, which was uh, as many people recall, is when the lockdown started, uh, which was another, I would say, like a great timing for me. Uh, otherwise, it would have been very hard, you know, to do that later on. Um, and again, a very risky move, you know, in hindsight. But yes, thankfully, it all worked out very well. Um, 
I found out via call. So that's the traditional YC way, right? So they email you for a rejection, but they call you uh, if they accept you. Um, so I got a you know WhatsApp text from one of the partners that saying, "Hey, we want to talk." So yeah, I got I got the message that yes, I'm getting in. Uh, this was one night before, and then they called me the next day in the morning. Um, and of course, for sure, a great feeling. One of probably one of the best moments for the you know, from the last year, I would say. You know, 2020, and uh, yeah, like the first thing I did was you know inform my wife and you know we had a nice breakfast. So that that was it. Super. So you get in is great validation uh, for the idea for everything that you worked very hard for, mm-hmm. for for the past many years, and then begins the hard part because twenty twenty yeah. really changed things for so many industries, uh, fintech mm-hmm. including them. In your industries, what were the broad strokes that you were observing, and uh, what was um, on your mind uh, in terms of building out the company, building out the product? Um, given what you know about, or given what you knew about the pandemic at that point, hmm. right? Um, yeah, um, I think the first thing that I witnessed, um, which was a great thing to happen, is um, COVID really brought about tailwinds on the digital adoption front when it comes to banking and fintech. Um, so if you look at the banks, right, all the banks, and this is something which gets flashed in the media a lot that um, all the banks need to go digital, you know, and like the whole country is moving towards a digital payment domain. And you can see, of course, Prime Minister as well, you know, uh, promoting it as much as possible. Um, but if you look at the banks, they have their own limitations, right? So they have a whole bureaucracy and system in place. So they cannot move that fast, right? This is how they design. They're not product companies. They're not software, like, you know, product engineers, so to say, um, uh, which is what prevents them to move. Uh, at the speed which the customer would desire. So there's a mismatch in what the customer expects and what the bank can deliver. And that uh, gap has been growing uh, widely ever since, right? So uh, what COVID did was really help the banks uh, drive this point home, right? Um, which was something that they had planned for the next five, 10 years. And okay, we will digitize our services and we will start, say, you know, account opening digitally. Uh, back account opening or you know, we'll open up more and more APIs. These things were always there, but that got accelerated to a whole new level, right? Uh, which was a tailwind for companies like us and other fintechs as well, you know, in the market. So that was a great thing to have, a huge positive. Um, and of course, for sure, there was uh, you know, uh, the other side as well, where people were not spending, which uh, still is happening, which is, you know, again, has been discussed fairly in the media. Um, that was more from a consumer spending, you know, uh, and the lending was down because spending spending was not happening in the sector. Um, yeah, that has been like I would say the major second major change which has happened in the fintech industry. And then the third thing, which is um, um, I would say not so prominent right now, but will become prominent in the next say year or so, is a lot of the foreign banks and the foreign companies trying to enter India, you know, in the fintech space. Uh, clearly an important year. I mean, some tailwinds, lots of challenges. Um, mm-hmm. you, you have to build out the team, build out the product, um, you know, go about doing it. But now you do seem to have a lot of that in place. Um, so clearly 2020 was a lot of hard work. What's mm-hmm. the, what was uh, the biggest reflections in terms of big wins of 2020? Of course, Y Combinator was one of them. And what mm-hmm. are you looking forward to in 2021? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think the biggest win for sure, definitely YC was there. Um, second one would be um, when we got the first few customers, right? So that was uh, another great validation that we can still drive revenue and we can still get customers on board in the middle of a pandemic. Um, that was like, I didn't think of it much at that point of time, but then later on when I realized, okay, that companies are going bust left and right, and we actually survived, not just survived, raised the capital and grew like probably 8x or 9x as per my last calculations in those six, seven months. So that was an amazing thing to do. Uh, really proud of, you know, the team as well, what we've done. Um, yeah, I think that was, that was it. That, that would be probably the second uh, biggest, you know, thing for 2020. Um, for 2021, uh, definitely a lot lined up. A lot of things lined up, right? Um, one is, uh, uh, so we always have, uh, at least I personally have tried to keep a very ambitious target uh, as much as possible for the team. So we have kept a huge target you know, for the year and uh, looking forward to the team to you know, help us hit that. Um, by the time of the year, and it's both in terms of you know, the number of transactions and the customers as well. And the second thing which we're looking is uh, uh, to help uh, some of the enterprises, like more of the larger players, traditional or non-traditional, depending on how they started, uh, to embrace this embedded banking or embedded fintech um, in their product itself, which is something which is a new trend, uh, you know, as you can see in India. And this is something. This is something we should really catch on uh, in the next few years. So yeah, that's going to be a key thing for us. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, are you hiring? Oh well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we are definitely hiring uh, quite rapidly actually uh, across the sector, uh, both backend developers, frontend, a um, couple of people in HR, um, sales, product. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. Lovely. So what advice do you have for network capital people applying uh, to Decentro? What kind of people um, should apply? What do you look for when you hire? Uh, because you obviously love MBAs. So what advice <laughs> do you have for, for people who are MBAs or non-MBAs applying? Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I value um, you know, a person who has built something. Uh, and of course, varies from role to role, but for sure, if somebody's coming, someone is coming in uh, for a, a product design or a development role, he should have at least tried his hand on something, either his own venture or an early stage venture uh, or a far, very fast growing venture where he handled something on his own and you know, took that to market uh, as part of a team. That's first and foremost. That's like the, the basic filter I would say that I have a look at. And again, like, don't really need a CV to look at it. You know, maybe a LinkedIn profile or even a GitHub link for a developer you know, or a product page for a product person. Uh, gives me that sense that, okay, this person knows something and knows how to build something. Um, that's one. And then second is, which is which we place very high value on is teamwork, uh, especially in small teams. Um, and that comprises a lot of factors, right? That the person should have less ego. He should not be attracted to titles. He should not be attracted to compensation too much. Of course, we will pay fairly and we do pay uh, very well in the market, um, you know, as per, as per the current market standards. But yes, you should not look at that as the only factor, you know, and of course it's fairly easy to make out, you know, when we look at the, again, the profiles and the way he has jumped and all those stuff. Um, yeah, I think these are like, I would say two key things, you know, for someone to keep in mind when they start applying to us, uh, you know, otherwise they will not really go through the filter stage. Um, yeah, and the rest of course is, you know, their passion, what, like passion for FinTech, passion for banking, or passion for something which, you know, intersects with us at some point of time. 
Got it. Um, and you mentioned about, uh, you know, your love for MBAs earlier. But tell us where that love originated. Like, what's what's the biggest fear that you have when you think of people with uh, those kinds of mm-hmm. degrees? Um, yeah, You're alluding yeah. to something. We just want you to explain where that comes from so that our mm-hmm. folks can understand how some mm-hmm. founders think. And rightly so, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, and again, I mean, like, for sure, that, like, uh, this goes without saying, uh, but I'll point it out that, uh, you know, um, not all MBAs are bad, right? So I've seen some definitely smart MBA people as well. And for sure, there are a lot of them, I'm sure, in the market as well. Uh, but yes, generally what I've seen uh, from my experience and the interaction that I've had, the people who jump in immediately to an MBA after graduation, uh, they have not really seen the real world, right? What they did was they went to a different school from a school, right? That, that's that's what they did at that point in time. Um, and, you know, like however good the case studies might be, nothing compares you to the real world, right? Um, in the real world, things can break left or right, and you will not be able to predict them, right? Because if you look at this is the clear demarcation, right? A case study is really focused on one thing, or the school really silos you and teaches you one thing at a time, uh, doesn't teach you, okay, that when thousands of things are moving at the same time, which is what happens in a company or any business, so to say, uh, how do you handle that, right? And how do you make positive progress despite those thousand things moving at the same time. So um, that is something which, you know, I have found lacking in uh, MBA graduates, uh, especially those who, you know, immediately get into an MBA after graduation. Um, But yes, for sure, there are people who have done it well, like they've timed it well, where they realized, okay, that, you know, I'm working in, say, investment banking or whatever. uh, And now after five, six years, um, I have good industry knowledge and I know what, you know, it takes to, working or building a big business or a small business, depending on where they worked. Um, but now what I want to do is I want to explore a completely different domain, which is not related to me, you know, in the previous, or my previous work. Then yes, for sure. Like, you know, MBA can be a good reset for you. And right? you can like, explore five, six new options again. And then it turns out that marrying that new option or the new area where you want to work with the old option adds value to the company that you want to apply to. So those are things where it makes sense. Or, you know, you actually did something, you started your own venture or you worked in a venture part-time when you were in the MBA. That is also a great way to do it, right? So yeah, there are, those are the nuances I would say, but yes, like that my general uh, you know, thesis has been on, like, on those lines. So this is very helpful, Rohit. I'm pretty sure lots of Network Capital people will apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a phenomenal time like hosting you on Network Capital TV. What really jumps out is that, uh, you know, you have a strong flavor of the problem, you have passion for the problem, and you are driven by curiosity and not afraid of experimentation. Thanks so much uh, for your time. And I look forward to uh, collaborating with you on various fronts. You always have network capital whenever you think of hiring, whenever you're looking for talented folks or just want to spread the word around. We're there for you. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Prashia. Great to be here. And yeah, would love the interaction as well. Thank you.